We are at the conclusion of our four-part series to the Gospel of Jesus Christ. As you guys know, the month of February, we've been working our way through how to share the Gospel in four simple yet biblical steps. So four biblical steps, four simple and straightforward steps of how we can share the Gospel. And I know that I gave you guys this definition during my prayer, so I want to make sure that y'all weren't sleeping when I was praying for a kind of corporate worship. Can anybody remind us of what we mean by the term gospel? What does the word gospel mean? Good news. That's exactly right. And specifically, the gospel is the good news about what? Jesus. Jesus. And what specifically about Jesus? What, what is good about Jesus as it pertains to us? Yes. He came to save us. There you go. The gospel is good news that Jesus Christ, God's eternal Son, entered into the world, was born of a virgin, took on flesh, lived a perfect life in complete obedience to God's law. He died in our place, bearing God's wrath at the cross. And three days after his death, three days after his crucifixion, he was raised from the dead. And in doing so, he vindicated all of God's promises. He showed that he was everything that he claimed to be, and that he fulfilled everything God sent him to the world to fulfill. And after appearing before more than 500 witnesses over the span of about 40 days, Jesus rose into heaven. And right now, he is a, he is the seated, ascended, reigning, victorious King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And one day he will judge the living and the dead. That is a 30,000 foot flyover. The gospel of Jesus Christ. So, as we know, that gospel, specifically focusing on who Jesus was and what he did, it can only properly be understood in light of two essential realities. So think back to three weeks ago. What was the first essential reality? What was the first step that we covered in thinking through how we can go about sharing the gospel with those in our lives? What was step one? Yes. God is holy. That is exactly right. Does anybody remember the verse that we associated with the holiness of God? You got it again? Isaiah 6.3. Isaiah 6.3. That's exactly right. So step one of the first essential reality that we need to know in order to share the gospel with our friends and family members and loved ones, those who interact with in this life, is that God is holy. And Isaiah 6.3 reminds us that God is holy, 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 and the whole earth is full of his glory. Now, what does the word holy mean? Make sure we're on the same page with that definition. What did we say the word holy meant? Yes. Set apart. That's exactly right. So God is set apart, right? He's set apart as the only creator, the one true living God, and he is set apart in his moral Perfection. So we start with the holiness of God. We start with the fact that God is set apart because it's only in light of that reality that we can truly see who we are. And that brings us to the second step of our gospel presentation from just two weeks ago. What was step two? What was the second essential truth we need to know when we share the gospel? Yes. Man is sinful. Man is sinful. What key passage? There were three verses that covered that. Well, okay, somebody up in the new two. Yes. Romans 3, 10. That's right. Romans 3, 10-12. That text reminds us that you and I, we are guilty of committing sin before our holy creator. Now, 
define sin as? What, is, what does it mean to commit sin? Why is sin such a problem? Show an answer. Feel free to just popcorn answer. What does it mean to be a sinner? What was that? Doing stuff bad, right? Okay, that's great. Going against God's perfect law. Going against God's perfect law. Those are wonderful answers. So sin means to, to miss the mark, to be imperfect, to fail to live up to God's standard of moral perfection. We see that standard in the Ten Commandments. Jesus also said that if you summarize the main thrust of the Ten Commandments, it's to fail to love God with all of one's heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to fail to love one's neighbor perfectly. So that's what it means to commit sin. Commit sin is to fail to love God and love neighbor perfectly. Because if you do those two things, according to Jesus, you'll fulfill God's law. You will satisfy the demands of moral perfection from God's law. So, God is holy, Isaiah 6, 3, step 1. Man is sinful, Romans 3, 10 through 12, step 2. What did we talk about last week? Step 3, and again, back to the reality of the gospel, but what was the main point from last week? Love the eagerness, but we've got to get some more participants here. we got some teacher's pets over there on the left-hand side. Yeah, what are, we, what are we talking about when we uh, refer to our last week's lesson? Step 3. Does anyone ever call? Call. He's the Savior of sinners. Jesus is the Savior of sinners. We saw that last week. And what passage did we use to talk about Jesus saving sinners? Somebody knew. I tried to put the answers in your handout to help you out. So it's all right in front of you. Yes. It's actually what we're going to be talking about tonight, but I love the I love the effort there. I love the involvement. Yes. First John four verses nine through ten. So as we saw from that passage last week, step three, third essential truth for sharing the gospel, we find that Jesus Christ is the greatest proof that God loves you and me. Jesus is the greatest proof or the greatest evidence that God loves the human. Race. And from that passage, because of God's great love, Jesus came into the world to satisfy God's wrath, to, to make atonement for God's judgment of the sin of believers. So we found up to this point, right, God is holy, man is sinful, Jesus is the Savior of sinners. We can't fix our problem of being a sinner before a holy God. We need a Savior. We need somebody to fix our mess. And that brings us to the final step of this gospel process that we've been covering. I'm not about to answer or ask a question, but uh, maybe, maybe uh, hold your horses for a minute. You guys may be able to answer a question here later on. Hopefully you guys will motivate other people to get involved too. Uh, but in any case, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, you said it earlier. Ephesians 2, verse 8 through 9, that is the key passage that we're going to be covering during our time together tonight. And the main heading that we have uh, associated with this passage, hopefully it will be easy for you to remember, that heading is that faith alone saves us. So step one, God is holy, Isaiah 6.3. Step two, man is sinful, Romans 3.10-12. Step three, Jesus is the Savior of sinners, 1 John 4, 9-10. And then today, step four, Ephesians 2.8-9, faith alone saves us. Faith alone saves us. Can I get a volunteer to read Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9? It's right there in your handouts. 
Love the enthusiastical. Somebody hasn't done it. Yes, go for it. Very good. Thank you so much for reading that text. So my friends, that particular passage from Ephesians 2, it's possibly the clearest explanation in the entire Bible as to how the benefits of salvation are accomplished through the person and word of Jesus Christ. It explains how we are the recipients of all that Jesus earned, all that Jesus accomplished in his life and death and resurrection. And as we just read together, According to Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, salvation is only possible by the grace of God. Salvation is only obtained through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, if I had guessed, I would assume that most of you are familiar with the terms faith and grace. These are very common terms in our Christian vocabulary, but unfortunately, as you know all too well, as is often the case, some people can have a tendency to use words and really not know what they mean. So just to make sure we're all on the same page as to how we can define these terms, is there anybody here tonight who can give me just a simple, straightforward answer to this question? What does the term grace mean? What is grace? Okay, I'll let you try that one. Okay, that, that's, uh, I, I didn't know that, that's what uh, that grace means, Hannah. Um, I believe the term for grace is charis, but uh, I'll, I'll have to look that one up. Appreciate, appreciate the feedback, though. Any other, any other suggestions? Yes? Yeah, getting something you don't deserve. That is exactly right. That is the definition that I was looking for. You must have stolen my notes before tonight. Or your, your parents are doing a good job training you in the Word. That's really encouraging. So grace, think about it this way. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Grace is to receive something you don't deserve to receive. So mercy is not getting what you deserve to receive. Grace is getting something you don't deserve. It's unearned or unmerited favor. So in the context of Ephesians 2, the grace of God is simply a reference to God showing sinners undeserved and unmerited favor. Giving to sinners something they don't deserve to receive. And as we see from Ephesians 2, the undeserved and unearned favor that God shows to sinners is none other than this free gift of salvation. And notice how that free gift of salvation comes to us. Notice the verse again that we discovered. By grace you have been saved through faith. But God's free gift of salvation comes to us exclusively through faith. Now we define grace. How would we define faith? Simple, straightforward answers. If your friend is asking at school or at camp or in whatever extracurricular you're involved with, how would you define faith? Yes. Trust. That is, that's exactly right. That's the, that's the answer I was looking for right there. At its most basic level, to have faith is to trust. It's to trust. So to have faith in the gospel is to trust that all of its promises are true for you. When you hear the gospel, a response in faith will be this. God, I trust.
that everything you've promised in the gospel, I trust that everything you've promised in your word, that it's true for me. So in order for us to be saved, my friends, all we need to do is trust that Jesus Christ, through his perfect life, his death on the cross, his bodily resurrection from the dead, and his ascension into heaven, everything that he was, everything that he did, everything that he claimed to be, you and I need only trust in that truth. And if you would do so, God has promised in his word to forgive you of your sins and to welcome you into his heavenly kingdom as an adopted son or daughter. And that's the beauty of the gospel. We're not saved through baptism. We're not saved through partaking of the Lord's Supper. We're not saved through good works. We're not saved through church attendance, as great as all those things are. We are saved solely through trusting that Jesus Christ, who He is and what He did, that it's enough for us to be made right with God. So as we prepare to transition into our time of small group tonight, and as we reflect on where we've been over the past month, I hope that you feel more equipped to share the gospel with those that God's placed in your life. You now have four key passages of Scripture with four simple steps that you can use to point people who ask you about your faith to really what's the foundation of who we are as Christians, namely the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you have any questions about anything that's been covered tonight, if you have any questions about what it means to be a Christian, please come to me. Please come to one of our adult leaders. We want to be able to answer those questions and serve you in any way that we can. But in the meantime, I hope you'll have a great time with smarter discussion. Thank you guys for being here tonight. I'm so proud of you all. And let's have a great time together for the rest of our evening.